you were you able to watch your movie? Did you have the time? Which movie? The one we're talking about today. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just going off I, on vibes. Nope. Sure didn't. I did, however, have time to watch Wednesday. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to OK But Hear Me Out, a healthy conversation podcast about our favorite fandoms and latest obsessions. I'm your host, Cassie. <laughs> and I'm Lisa. No, you paused for a moment, so I was like, where did she go? There must uh, be a giant pause going on right now, and I'm so sorry. I just laugh because I'm, I'm, after last episode, I'm like waiting for something to happen. Yeah, what, what's going on my computer? Okay. No, like you were talking and then you stopped, but your mouth was still moving because I'm watching you. And I was like, okay, did my headphones break? Crap. And then it was a delay. I am so sorry. Ah, no, you're good. Continuing on this podcast, our friends and I will be trying to convince each other to dive into our latest favorites. This podcast is geared towards anime slash manga. However, we have many not so guilty pleasures we'd love to share. Woohoo! Yay. This time the interruption happened before the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry about that. Nope, it's a joke. Or a curse. Or both. You know what? It's it's part of the actual episodes now. That's just it. Right? <laughs> if something doesn't happen before the disclaimer, is this even the show? Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we have a rule. There's only one rule to this podcast, and that it is our feelings are canon. This basically means that our feelings are real to us, even if they are different from yours. So we shouldn't bash others for having ones that we may not understand because your feelings are canon. They're real to you. So now that we know the rule of the podcast, let's start the conversation. Today, I'm going to start off by talking about Atlantis, the Lost Empire. And I'm going to be talking about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Woo! I'm probably going to use this as our cold opening, but as I mentioned, I did not have time to watch this. <laughs> Even though it's on Disney+, Plus, I could have easily accessed it. But with how it worked out, because I've been sick and I've been trying to catch up on all my editing and stuff like that, and I've been releasing my stuff, I just didn't have time with all the stuff that I was trying to do. Okay. <laughs> but when I watched Wednesday, it was like a... I kind of want to watch something that I haven't watched before so that I can, and it's weird because I can find like relaxing things with mysteries because I love mysteries because I like to try to figure it out. So even though it's like using my brain in a way it's like not using my brain, I don't know. It's weird. No, I get that. Yeah. So I, a lot of the points that I have, just a disclaimer in general, is stuff that I think, but also stuff that I saw in like articles and stuff that I was looking up to kind of like jog my memory about Atlantis, even though I love this movie so much. So yeah, there's a lot of points that people make and I have my, my article evidence to back it up because other people think the same thing. Okay. So I'm going to start with my summary. And this is, I got from polygon.com because again, it's sometimes because I'm not good at English. I have a hard time wording summaries because I'm just so bad at them. So I got this summary from online. The year is 1914. Cartographer Milo Thatch has dreamed of finding the lost empire 
of Atlantis all his life. When a mysterious benefactor fully finances an exploratory mission, Milo and a group of ragtag experts descend into a subterranean world in search of Atlantis and find a lost civilization, a curious princess, and an unimaginable source of power. Sounds about right. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's accurate, so I'm going to use that. Thank you, <laughs> Polygon.com. So before I talk about my talking points, I have a little like note, like an asterisk mark, saying that this is a very underrated Disney movie. And I should just, so underrated. Where this, The theme of this episode is underrated Disney movies. Criminally underrated. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are so many other underrated Disney movies, but that actually, I'll get when I get into my talking points, a lot of people talk about how, like, it didn't, it didn't do bad, but it didn't do well. But now there's, like, a cult following for Atlantis because it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I should also tell you, Lisa, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I loved this movie so much that I tried to learn how to speak Atlantean. I would watch it over and over again to try to figure it out. You are not alone. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, I clearly need to know this language. Yeah. I was like, I want to speak this language. Therefore, I'm going to watch it over and over and over again until I figure it out. Did I ever learn? No. But now that I have the internet, I'm sure that I could figure it out. Oh, definitely. Tell so my first talking point is Atlantis was a break from the norm. The creators actually recognized that they had a lot of success with musicals because, fun fact, this is like the same group that did Hunchback. I actually didn't know that. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So, hold on. Thought. I, I have a note that words it better than no I problem. do. <laughs> but basically, they wanted to create something new and different that broke away from the norm that they were used to because, of course, like Disney does musical mm-hmm. fantasy-type numbers. And they talked about in the actually in the Polygon article, they talked about the creators wanting to be more adventure land than fantasy land in some of their other projects. Okay. Yeah. So I can't find it because I have a lot of notes in here, but they did. Yeah. They had just gotten off Hunchback. I think it might be, I have a fun fact section at the end. It probably isn't my fun fact section, but. Yeah, there it is. This movie was slotted up right after Hunchback at a Mexican restaurant with the same crew because they apparently wanted to keep the crew together for one more project. Okay. Yeah, so they had just finished Hunchback. They all sat down together at a Mexican restaurant in California, and they were like, we should do another project together. And they thought up the, not the, obviously not the full details or idea of Atlantis, but they basically decided they wanted to do another project together. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was really fun because we had, obviously you had no idea. I had no idea. And we chose these topics and they're by the same people. <laughs> Maybe not obviously the full crew, but a good chunk of the crew is the same. Yeah. So my second talking point is I talk about how fairy tales are nice. I mean, let's be honest. You know how much I love fairy tales. We talked about like Tiana and Rapunzel being my two favorite princesses. We talked about that. But sometimes it's nice to see an anime film that's more than a fairy tale or that's different than a fairy tale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have a quote. That's why I got confused. I have a quote from the Polygon article. And it says, much like how Titan AE exposed a generation of children to hard science fiction, Atlantis opened some kids' eyes to the study of ancient cultures. Yeah. Which I really appreciate, to be honest. Because people don't always talk about taking an interest in history or other cultures. But this article, in the Polygon article, they talk about how Atlantis inspired some people to go into fields like archaeology and linguistics. And I personally just think that's awesome. I love that. 
Yeah. It's still so underrated. What is wrong with the world? (laughs) I know. I was like, wow, a movie about ancient cultures. Like, that's actually really fascinating. One of the podcasts that I listen to is Ancient History Fangirl, and they're talking about this, their season that they're on right now, they're talking about ancient, like, uh, mysteries. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they talk about ancient cultures all the time. And I'm just like, it's so fascinating to me. I think it's really fascinating. And I, if I could take, like, just go into school, a random school, I know you have to apply and all that fun stuff. But if I could just go and take, like, an archaeology class, I think that would be so fun. Yeah. So uh, my third point goes further into this Polygon article. I've really enjoyed this Polygon article, I'm just saying. Okay. It talks about how diverse the characters slash explorers are and how having a movie in the adventure lane allowed them to do that more freely. I also appreciate that there being the representation of a mixed race couple, which you didn't see a lot in films and cartoons, though I suspect that since they had a relationship like that in their previous project, aka Hunchback, (laughs) they didn't have a lot to fear in showcasing that. Maybe they did. I don't know. But I just think that it's great because like they have and you think about it too when they're sitting around the campfire and I think that actually that goes into my next point I said that the dialogue is wildly funny which really balances all those moments that it's really serious because there are a lot of serious moments in this film there are people that die in their exploration like that part when they get attacked by like the giant squid robot thing (laughs) and they are standing there and they send they just have that little vigil if you will for the all the people that they lost Like, there are definitely some really serious moments that you don't typically think of happening, especially when Disney is known for its, like, like, they have serious moments. Every movie has, like, a serious moment, but, like, it's known for its lighthearted fairy tale princess movies, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I think we can all appreciate going back to the campfire scene, the campfire scene, and even the one where Milo is talking about or talking to his fake investors in like the janitor's closet. Like, yeah, we just, it's funny. The dialogue is really great. And the characters are awesome. They are from all, they talk about them being from all over the world. His, uh, who is it? Mr. Whitmore. She's like, I got the best of the best, you know? And it doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like. I mean, what's her name? Like Audrey, who's like a 16 year old mechanic. I'm probably Uh wrong on that, but she's like a really young mechanic and she's the best of the best. Yep. So, like, I just think that's awesome that they that he didn't just be like, oh, I'm going to go find these, like, great, well-known mechanics. I'm going to find somebody who is good despite where they're from. So I just, yeah, it's really great. And my last of my main talking points is that I really love the scenery. The art of seeing that, like, juxtaposition between when they first came upon the city and when the city gets, like, revitalized is just amazing. And the combination of, like, steampunk technology with, like, nature and stone technology, it just blows me away, you know? Yeah. Like, who thought of this? I mean, I know that they had inspirations from many different things, but I just, I really love this art, and I really wish that, I mean, there probably is someone out there, but, like, I need an art slash inspiration book, like the Avatar The Last Airbender book, the, the art book of Avatar. I want one of those, but for Atlantis. There might be one out there. I did not do a ton of research in that, but I need one. I would also want one. Yeah. I need more Atlantis merch. Right? I actually, uh, actually, no, wait, I'll hold on. I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll get to that. So in my wrap-up points, I will note that it was criticized heavily for its plot and quote-unquote lack of character development. (laughs) 
as well as being a bit for adults because it only had adult protagonists. Additionally, Atlantis didn't flop, which I talked about earlier. It didn't do bad, but it didn't. It wasn't a big hit. Yeah. And some note, not everybody agrees with this, but some note that it did have to compete with Shrek in the box office. So maybe it didn't do as well because Shrek was a hit. I love Shrek. It's a great movie. Okay. But I also think, despite all these points, that it's still a worthwhile movie. Obviously, we talked about in the beginning that it has a cult following. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. It just, I think, maybe was before its time. And that's why people didn't like it that much. I can see that. Yeah. I can't relate, but I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was like, I thought it was a great movie when I was a child. I watched it multiple times. Yo, Kita is one of my original crushes. I love her. (laughs) Yeah. I yeah I love Warrior Princess Kita, fabulous. And also Milo, which actually fun fact goes into my next wrap up point. I think that some people don't get Milo as a lead character because he's dorky, but I love his dorkiness. He's adorable. He's adorable. Yes, but I think that because he's not like other like male protagonists, people are like, oh. I guess he's okay, but I'm like, he's <laughs> awesome. He's adorable. You should all love him. He's great. He's so passionate about what he does. Like, Right? How can you not watch that and not fall in love with him? Right? <laughs> so I have, I don't know if it's a quote. I didn't put quotations around it, but I have something from Screen Rant. I will also put this in the description where it notes that unlike most movies where a geeky hero gets a transformation, Milo doesn't have that. He stays true to himself until the very end and is still the hero of the story. That's very true. Yeah, which I didn't think about, which is why I included it, because I was like, you know what? You're right. Milo doesn't have, I like, don't get me wrong. I freaking love Hercules. I will always (laughs) love Hercules so much, especially the muses. They're like the best part of that movie. But Hercules has that, typical transformation from like this quote-unquote geeky dorky guy to a muscular hero and milo doesn't have like a big buff up he just is himself but he uses his linguistic skills and his natural love of exploration to help the people of atlantis and i he's still the hero at the end and he doesn't have to change anything about him yeah i think it also helps that he doesn't see his dorkiness as like a something wrong with him because yeah. i know with like a lot of transformation sequences like that it's mostly because of lack of confidence and they think mm-hmm. oh if i change this about me i'll be a better person he's just milo's just milo that's just how he is yeah. he doesn't see his geekiness as a problem so he wouldn't yeah. think to change it because <laughs> it's not very true geekiness is not a problem <laughs> yep sure isn't and then i just have like a little note here at the end Or I say, I know it didn't do as well as they had hoped when it premiered, but I love that there are so many people out there who are appreciating it now and spreading the word about how great and underrated it is. Yeah. And then after that, I have like these fun facts, which I talked about how the movie was sought up in a Mexican restaurant with the Hunchback crew. (laughs) (laughs) Another fun fact, the crew wore t-shirts that read uh, Atlantis. Dash, fewer songs, more explosions. Uh (laughs) Again, they wanted to do something more adventure and less fantasy. Um, Oh, this you'll appreciate because you also wanted to learn to speak Atlantean. The written language was, oh, I 
I'm really going to butcher this word. I apologize. <laughs> Bostrophidon. It was designed to be read left to right on the first line, then right to left on the second line, continuing in a zigzag pattern to simulate water flow. Huh. That's an interesting detail. Right? I think it's super interesting. And also, another fun fact that I didn't write down, but on the topic of the language, the language they brought in the person that created Klingon mm-hmm. to create the language for Atlantis. That I did know. <laughs> when I was looking to learn it, I looked that up. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. So there probably is, again, a way to learn how to speak Atlantean out there in the world. Yep. My other fun fact, I have two more. At the time of its release, Atlantis The Lost Empire was notable for using more computer-generated imagery, or CGI, than any other Disney animated feature at the time. Yeah, I definitely remember Which that. I, yeah, when I was going through and I was watching scenes, because again, I like, to, I like to find articles, but I also like to find videos that are good, so like there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And also I have, you know, multiple sources and all that fun stuff, so it's not just me saying it. <laughs> there are other people out there that, I mean, you're always going to find at least one person that agrees with you, but that's besides the point. I did not know that, but I do remember watching a video and they having the little little squid robot thing and I was like you're right that whole scene was totally CGI (laughs) yeah and my last fun fact that is so silly that I had to share is that I you know that scene when they first see Atlantis and it's just like the line of them like you just see the backs of them and they're all in the line and they're looking at the lost city yeah that is my banner on my LinkedIn really (laughs) yeah that's adorable (laughs) <laughs> I it's such a good like that moment when it's like oh there's something bigger than us out there like it just it's a beautiful moment and I just love to use it on my I like to use it on my LinkedIn so yeah I love that for you thank you thank <laughs> you very much that's how much I love Atlantis again even though I had to jog my memory a little bit and I haven't watched it in a long time mm-hmm and like I stated a little bit earlier before when I said I had plenty of time, I had opportunity to watch it because uh-huh. it's on Disney Plus. So I'm letting everyone know if you want to watch it, it's on Disney Plus. I just did not do that. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to turn it over to you Yay. to talk about Hunchback. Okay. I feel like, I'm sorry. I feel like I was so shrill the whole time I talked about Atlantis. I was like, <laughs> Atlantis! <laughs> Great movie! We love it! <laughs> So I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to drink my water in silence. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know if everyone, probably people have, whoever's listening at this point has probably realized that this episode is not so much us convincing each other to watch the movies. No, it's just it's talking just about how much we about. love it and exactly. how great it is and how, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was very much one of those, like our Yu Yu Hakusho and our Hunter Hunter episode mm-hmm. where we were just like, we're not convincing the other. We already know they're great. We're just talking about how much we love it. That's this episode And well. I have evidence to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, same, very same. All right, so. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is a 1996 Disney film loosely based on the 1831 novel of the same name by Victor Hugo. The film follows Quasimodo, the deformed bell ringer who is confined in Notre Dame by Judge Claude Frollo and yearns to explore the world outside and be accepted by society. That's my little synopsis. That was so beautiful. I wish I was eloquent. (laughs) When I've I've... seen this enough times, you just like, here is what (laughs) this is about. And I've done research on this just out of 
fun stuff. Like, not even for this episode. I mean, I did do research for this episode, but, like, I've just researched Hunchback because of how much I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I like, some a of lot this of I know already. research for yeah. Atlantis. I did not know. I didn't know it was created in Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's such an interesting, like, detail. Like, here's where we found this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what I really love. I hate to interrupt. I'm so no, you're sorry. Fine. What I love about that Polygon article and why I used it so much because there's so much and the I believe I use the Atlantis fan page as well they have so many details like it was full like so much information that was just so fascinating especially the fandom page so so fascinating <laughs> I highly recommend it's going to be in the description continue yeah, I want to see this fandom page well for this movie what it, it was more of an adaption of a comic book of the actual story <laughs> that's gonna be one of my points when i get up to it so here's okay. why i love this movie and why everyone should watch it and love it as well if you don't already because even though it's kind of underrated the movie did really well in the box office like it made a lot of money it was like the fifth highest grossing film of 1996 so it, wow yeah like the way people talk about it now and how they think it's underrated, which it still is, you would think it didn't do very well. And it was a very yeah. successful project. <laughs> yeah. And they talked about that in the Atlanta, when they talked about how the crew was like, we just came off Hunchback, and it was successful. Yeah. And I, I, I have a point, a point. Yeah, I think I know why it's kind of talked about the way it is. Because of Frollo? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> so I have... Okay. Yeah. I have an article that I I just... I have a quote from it that I just love because they call Hunchback of Notre Dame the most R-rated G film you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is like, very you're, true. You're wrong. So I'll, I'll get to that point in a second and I'll put that article in our little box as well. But okay. here's why I love this film. One... I think the film is absolutely gorgeous. I love 2D animation. I love classic Disney 2D animation. And this one definitely has that. The opening of this movie with the music and you see the close-up of the Notre Dame Cathedral where it looks larger than life because it's peering over these clouds. Mm. Breathtaking. In fact, that that scene stuck with me so much that when I actually physically went to Notre Dame, when I went to Paris, I was a little disappointed because I was like, this is smaller than I thought. <laughs> and my tour guide was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, to be fair, I am from New York City where we have skyscrapers every five steps. But yeah. in my mind, because I've had this vision, plus all the photos you see of this cathedral, this thing looks giant. Well, not anymore, but yes. I mean, no. Well, this, granted, when I went to Paris, this was about 10 years ago, but this- uh, I'll never it, get to see it. I mean, I will once they eventually rebuild it, but- Yeah. I'm so, so sorry for the people that- well, I mean, I'm not sorry, because you'll still see it. It still exists, but it's just not what it was. Yeah. And to be fair, the original cathedral- Well, not the cathedral that I saw was also not part of the original. <laughs> it's been ransacked a lot. It's- Yeah. Yeah. There's a history to this cathedral. But growing up, I always assumed it was just this- giant larger than life cathedral based on when i saw it in this movie because of how large it looks and then when i saw it in person it's still a very big church don't get me wrong yeah but also when i saw it i had just came back come back from a trip to cologne germany and i saw the cologne cathedral which is massive yeah 
so seeing that cathedral and then Notre Dame and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so tiny. Uh, <laughs> but the cathedral is still beautiful. I loved walking in it. The stained glass window that's very prominent in the film was in it. It's so pretty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Such a pretty thing. <laughs> but yeah. So part of the reason why I love this movie is because I think it's beautifully animated. It's gorgeous. A lot of their scenes could just be beautiful painted pictures. I have a couple scenes on my walls. <laughs> I love this film. It's just gorgeous. Second note, the music. This is one of my top three favorite Disney soundtracks. A hill so I many will people who like this movie are like, the soundtrack on. is where it's at. It is. And for, I'm not even religious, and there's so many heavy religious undertones to this music, but mm. it is so gorgeous. Gosh. <laughs> it's on my iPod. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. It's just, and I love every song in this film. Even the, like, not as well-loved A Guy Like You, because it's the Gargoyle mm. song, but it's a fun, campy song. I enjoy it. My favorite songs is Out There, which is Quasi's classic I Want song. Everyone, yeah, that, everyone loves that song. It's so, so good. Everyone could relate to that. God Help the Outcast, Esmeralda's Ballad, Tears, Tears, <laughs> love it. And then Hellfire, one of my absolute favorites favorite disney villain songs yeah so good and that song was very much a stretch for disney for this film you know yeah <laughs> the, the subject matter of it so dark so good I'm very curious because you said this is one of your top three mm-hmm. soundtracks i'm curious yeah. what your other ones are not oh, to get off topic yeah i can easily get you it's the lion king and, and tarzan <laughs> oh thank yeah. god are... i was like please one of them be tarzan no, to be fair, <laughs> like these they're my top three soundtracks and those are my also my top three Disney movies or I'm I'm more so like top two because Lion King and Hunchback are like equal to me and then Mm. Tarzan's right under it but I yeah I got Mm -hmm. asked once what my favorite Disney soundtrack of like any day I was like Tarzan and they're like really and I was like there's not a bad song on it like there's like I love Hercules but there are some songs on Hercules that I don't love as much Mm -hmm. but Tarzan there's not a single bad song exactly I I don't skip any of these songs that's for these three movies I don't skip the songs because it's just so yeah. good. So yeah. So yeah. the music anyway, is, continue. <laughs> yeah, the music, because I love it so much, is written by the legend Alan Menken, who I'm sure most Disney fans would know wrote The Little Mermaid, or wrote music for The Little mm. Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hercules, which you love. And I, I wrote this little note down for you. He also wrote for Tangled, because I know you love Rapunzel. <laughs> I do. He He's just magic, this man, his music, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so good and it's just musically also as like a musical theater person listening to this music it's great to sing the harmonies the ah I have a a couple of videos that I will also put in our little box of this uh, musical theater teacher he has a tiktok series called the mt and the way he talks about this music it's just he, he speaks it in better words than I can because he's more of a professional <laughs> So I'm going to link those so you guys can listen to him and speak on why the music is so great in this movie, technically, besides me just loving it personally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the music is bangers, all the songs. I love them. I know all the words. I sing them all the time. Love it. (laughs) So (laughs) my third points, I guess. Some of my favorite Disney characters are in this film. Esmeralda is my absolute all-time favorite female Disney character. 
Yes, I did know that. Yes. Some people find that surprising because one of my favorite princesses is Belle. And I'm like, that's a separate category. But if I had to choose yes. between Belle and Esmeralda, Esmeralda wins every time. There are different categories. I have yeah. a different, like, my favorite character is different than who my favorite princesses are. Exactly. But if I, if there was, like, one character where it's just, like, this is the only Disney character you can watch for the rest of your life, for whatever reason, mine will be Esmeralda. Mm. She's feisty, loyal, huge proponent believes in justice always fighting for the underdog i have a mini shrine to her in my room yes you do (laughs) i any type of touchback merch that i can find i especially if it it features her prominently i will try to buy it if it's not super super expensive (laughs) my old roommate was also a huge hunchback fan i call him my hunch bay shout out to spencer (laughs) and for christmas and my birthday because he likes to make art he made me like little shadow boxes of Esmeralda I have two scenes I have one of her dancing with Jolly and then I have one of her festival of fool scenes and they are so pretty and I love them yes I adore this movie I adore this character she is also I think she's beautifully animated I love her design when I was a kid she was even though she's not black she was brown in the movie because mm. in the original story she is Romani let me backtrack she's not originally Romani in the story she's mistaken as Romani but in the movie, they make her Romani, which I also love for representation. But she's also mm. brown. I didn't know what Romani was when I was a kid. So I just saw brown and I was like, yeah, yeah relate. I'm also brown. So part of the reason why she's one of my favorite characters is because she has melanin. <laughs> I think she's just a gorgeous character in general. Yeah. Personality wise, looks wise from her animated. And I'm sure that was a very dis- uh, distinctive point of why they made her that way. But I love her. Fourth point. I love this film because it also has a slightly, not slightly, it does have a happier ending than the original version. So when As I was like most Disney movies yeah. do. <laughs> so this is not based on a fairy tale like most Disney movies. It's based on a novel. When I was a kid, I did not know this novel existed. I thought Hunchback of Notre Dame was an original idea from Disney. <laughs> when I got older and was reading more books and discovered this was a novel, which I only discovered because I was researching another musical. I found out this was a book, so I read it. I was very young. I was like 10. This book is very dense, and it's nowhere near what the Disney movie is, which I am as they are not very grateful for, because the original novel is, like I said, very dense, very sad, and the ending is also very sad. Almost everyone important dies. As they always do. Yeah, which I'm happy that Disney didn't go that route, which they never would, but yeah, it was very depressing. So I'm like, I enjoy the fact that I have another version of this story, which is why it was very loosely based on the original novel. Because it's loosely, yeah. it was based off of a comic of the novel. So it's an adaption of an adaption of the original. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was an adaption of the novel. And I was like, well, they they took a lot of creative control and freedom because they changed so much. They added characters. The gargoyles were not in the original story. <laughs> mm. Victor, Hugo, and Laverne, two of the gargoyles named after the author of the original story. (laughs) And the original story is not heavily focused on Quasimodo. It's a lot focused on Esmeralda, which... Interesting. Yeah, I wish they kind of would have went that route, but I understand why they didn't, you know? Yeah. Plus, I love Quasi as a character, the Disney's Quasimodo as a character anyway. He's a great protagonist. I love following his, his story and seeing him rise as a character. Yeah. He's so good. We love a good underdog story. Yeah, he's so good. On the note of this movie being a happier, different version of the original novel, 
it's still a darker Disney film. Yes. Which I personally enjoy. <laughs> I don't know why. you are a dark soul. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You know, I don't know why. Because, you know, Disney is not about being dark. So I don't know why the fact that it is a dark Disney movie just satisfies something deep in me. <laughs> Your oh dark soul. Yeah, okay, my dark soul. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even like super, super dark in my opinion, but compared to other Disney movies, it is darker, it, which I very much enjoy because it just it highlights bigotry, racism, religious extremism, lust, which you would never think would be in a Disney movie, like being kind of a focal point, which is why I kind of love Frollo as a, a villain so much because he's so real. <laughs> There are yeah. people like Frollo who exist. Yeah. And that's what makes sure him are. so scary is the fact that like he is a real character, like a real danger. And they put that in this kids' movie and I'm like, what? Yes, thank you. Love that for you. <laughs> and it's just so good. However, his ending is fitting for him because he's an awful person, a great villain, but an awful person. Which I love. I love awful people being great villains. Yeah. And it just shows his extreme in his song Hellfire, where he's like very lustful for this character of Esmeralda. And because she doesn't agree and give him back those feelings, those are not the words I was looking for, he gets crazy about it. And he's like, I'm going to burn yeah. down this whole city because this one woman doesn't want me, which is scary because of how true that actually can happen. Like, not really people burning down cities, but like a man being slighted by a woman that he feels he deserves. And then going out and hurting others because of that still happens to this day. And it's just, like, crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why I like him so much as a villain because I'm like, that's that's real. Like, this is not – like, a lot of Disney villains are – they are very compelling. But a lot of them have, like, magic to fall back on and just weird things that make them, like, villains, if you will. But Frollo Mm -hmm. is, like, can be a real person. We we see people like him every day. But this one does have a happier ending. You know, everyone – except for Frollo, lives. Quasimodo has, he's accepted at the end of his movie and and as part of society, uh, even though he was outcast, but he helped save the city. So people are like, hey, I guess you're a good pie. (laughs) You know, but... What? Your your actions speak louder than your looks? I know. So weird. Wow. (laughs) What a concept. I know. He's uh, such a good guy, you know? And I, I hate sometimes that people make fun of him because he doesn't get Esmeralda at the end because he does slightly fall for her. But the point of his story is not to fall in love, you know? Yeah. Or they're very much like, oh, he's a good guy, so he comes in last. And I was like, he really didn't, but you do you, I guess. Because what his dream really – his dream wasn't to get, like, the love of his life. His dream was to be accepted by society, be, and he yeah, got that at the end. a whole beautiful song about being out there. He just wants to have friends and family and camaraderie. And he gets yeah. that. Yeah. Frollo tries to take it from him because Frollo is ashamed of him because he sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> still over the villain. But Quasi- anyway. Yeah, he's such a good character. And great movie overall. I think everyone should watch it. And one of the points that I have why I feel like it was buried a little bit is because the marketing for this movie was kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Granted, when I was a kid, I don't remember the marketing because I was three. <laughs> when it came out but as I got older and I watched it and fell in love with it and I did my research on it the marketing for this movie was very much it released in the, in the summer it was very much like this is a party movie come join us for the festival of fools and then people were watching it and they're like this is very dark 
all it's it can be it can totally shift sometimes because they didn't put for a good reason any of the dark themes and subject matters in the trailers because you want people to watch the movie you don't want them to think about that i also don't think a lot of people really knew the actual story of the hunchback of notre dame when they went to go see it yeah so victor hugo his work is amazing but it can be very depressing he he also wrote les miserables if people are oh yeah if that people are familiar everything. with that <laughs> so fun fact about that when i was researching les miserables because i was looking at the musical is when i found out that he wrote hunchback which is when i when i read it and i was like wow this makes so much sense that he wrote this book it's depressing but the i don't think a lot of people like knew that or know they might know now it's been years since this movie's been out and even more so since both of these novels and both Hunchback and Les Mis have had very successful musical adaptations for the stage. Yeah. But I don't think people really were very familiar with that story. So when they went to go see it, they were thinking it was just this happy Festival of Fools type story. There was a big highlight on Quasi as a bell ringer and they're like, oh, what's his story? And then you also get religious extremism attempts of genocide this man lusting over this girl is just like what this is a kids movie which is why the article that i'm going to give is just the great line of this being the most r-rated g film you will ever see in your life because i think with, with the movie and the message of it besides it being a darker movie it's still very much a movie about acceptance and fighting against injustices so i think it's an amazing film like beautifully animated gorgeous score music yeah. Great messages. I think besides it being a Disney film and technically was geared towards kids, it's still kids can still watch it. I don't think people realize that kids are not dumb. They're not going to watch this and think, oh, yes, let's burn down Paris because I can't have a love or something. <laughs> you know, people who are like, oh, it, it paints some religious figures in a bad light. People obviously not all religious figures are that way. Yeah. You can still be a religious person and enjoy this movie, even though it's not showing this person i think they're extreme it's like i go this might be getting too heavy i don't know but (laughs) it's a heavy it's a heavy film you know i mean yeah i still love it but yeah yeah but like it's like whenever the 9-11 attacks happen Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden everyone was like oh everyone that's muslim is a terrorist Mm -hmm. just because there are some extremists out there doesn't mean everyone that is in that religion is that way exactly so i just think that we have to recognize that there are bad people in every corner of life, regardless of its religion or not. There are bad people out there. And for whatever reason, these bad people seem to get the name for the whole group. And mm-hmm. that's just not how it is. Yeah. And you can clearly see it's just him because there are other religious people in this film who are fine, who are perfectly nice, yeah. who are safe. But it's just like you can clearly see this is just his problem. Yeah. And he decides to make it everybody's problem. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just yeah. like, boy, no. And then the city is just like, no, we don't go away. You don't agree with that. Cool. So let's move on to our segments. So we're going to talk about recommendations, which I'll go first because, first of all, I did that thing again where I just look up, if you like this movie, what should you watch? Because I could have many recommendations of di- underrated Disney movies, but I was like, we just need to narrow it down a little. <laughs> yeah. And two that were in the same lane that I felt were also great movies. One was Hercules, which we talked slightly about. Mm-hmm. And if you have never watched the Disney version of Hercules, first of all, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it is so good. You should watch it. If only for the muses, the opening song, fabulous. Yes. 
But if you don't know what it's about, here's a summary, which I did get from online because, again, I have just discovered after editing so many of these that I'm not good at summaries. So I'm going to let somebody else do it and then credit them in the description. (laughs) Okay. So the son of Zeus and Hera, Hercules was abducted from Mount Olympus and turned mortal by his evil uncle Hades, though he maintained his mighty strength. With the help of Pegasus and Phil, I can't ever say it, Phil, uh, he goes by Phil in the movie. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Phil. With the help of Pegasus and Phil, Hercules sets out on a journey of self-discovery and acceptance from Klutzy Zero to prove himself to a true hero and reclaim his place among the gods. Yes. Literally zero to hero. Anyway, <laughs> even though he wasn't a zero before, but the theme of the movie. Anyway. So, yes, first recommendation, Hercules. And the second one, which I think very much aligns with Atlantis, it came out like a year after Atlantis, is Treasure Planet. (laughs) Why you laugh? Because that's one of my recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) It's another underrated film. (laughs) Yes, it's so... My best friend, her favorite Disney movie is Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet, if you've never watched it, which I find that most people probably haven't watched this more than Hercules... But if you haven't watched it, then here's a summary. In the science fiction rendering of the classic novel Treasure Island, Jim Hawkins is a rebellious teen seen by the world as an aimless slacker. After he receives a map from a dying pirate, he embarks on an odyssey across the universe to find the legendary treasure planet. So another adventure lane movie that is also based on a book. Do you have any words on Treasure Planet since you also could have recommended it? I was recommending it because it's another underrated Disney film. This one actually did do more poorly. Yes. But it shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. I think this is another one that has like a secret cult following because it is yeah. really good. Again, I think some of these adventure movies were just baby before their time because they're coming out in the... I'm trying to remember when these came out, when Atlantis came out. Atlantis came out in 2001 and Treasure Planet came out in 2002. Okay, so these are like right after the Disney Renaissance full of Disney princess musical movies. Right after, and they were kind of competing a wee bit with like Shrek. And these weren't weren't musicals either. They're not, yeah. Which which I think doesn't hurt them story-wise, but compared to how Disney has perceived, presented itself. Yeah. It kind of did. Because another movie that's similar, in my opinion, that's also kind of underrated is Lilo and Stitch because Stitch the character has a very big following and very big presence but the movie itself doesn't yeah which is sad because it's a great movie I don't really have movies or anything that I would recommend that's similar to Hunchback because I can't in my opinion I don't have I couldn't find any that elicit the same feelings (laughs) for me besides just being underrated Disney movies but I do have (laughs) musical recommendations (laughs) oh okay to be fair, one of them is Hunchback of Notre Dame itself. The okay. stage adaptation expands on the music from the movie. This I wish this would have transferred to Broadway. It it's a disservice that it wasn't. But like if if you listen to the stage recording of this, it stars uh, Ciara Renee as Esmeralda, and her voice is absolutely beautiful. Stage recommendation. The stage musical adaptation of this is gorgeous, and I would highly recommend listening to that. And then I recommend Les Mis. It's another one of my favorite musicals. It's a depressing story. 
<laughs> I don't know if you can see one. me. I'm shaking my head. I, like it's literally called. I just this this mu- musical has music that I also elicits the same feelings for me. Not the same like story wise. Like if I had to choose between stories, I'm obviously gonna choose Hunchback. Yeah. But the music of Lame is is gorgeous. I also cry with some of it, so I would recommend listening to that if you haven't. I know Lame is going back on tour. If you want to go see it, I also recommend watching the stage production of this show. It's also gorgeous. But yeah, those are my two recommendations, music-wise. Okay. Yeah. So I have another segment for us, the Enablers segment. Okay. Where I I talked about this when we were talking about merch. And as I've been doing my Christmas shopping, I was looking online and I found a shepherd's journal notebook. Really? That I need to have. That is so cute. I I think it already sold out because I just obviously I didn't buy it right away. <sighs> but I'm going to enable both of us to buy it because when I just again, you just it's so hard to find merch. And if you don't know what the Shepherd's Journal is for anybody listening, it's the notebook that Milo uses that has all the notes about Atlantis that he uses to lead them to the lost city. Mm-hmm. I want it. I will yeah. never write in it, but I want it. Yeah, it would be like one of those books. You're just like, here, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm one of those people that notorious loves notebooks, and I don't write in them because I just love notebooks. I felt that. I love pretty notebooks. Give me a pretty notebook and I will just treasure it. I'll never write in it, but I'll treasure it. <laughs> I have unrequited merch. This is, oh. Yeah, for me. This is for me. Because <laughs> I most of the Hunchback merch that I see, I will grab. Yeah. There's only one, besides like vintage, old school Hunchback merch, which I used to have too. And then obviously I moved and got older and stuff was thrown away. But there's this Inesco figure of Esmeralda in her Festival of Fools outfit, her red dress. Because you uh. never see her in her red dress. Mm. And I want that figure so badly. It's so pretty. I'm super <laughs> surprised that one of the limited edition dolls of her is her in her red dress. But it's gorgeous, so I will take it. But I yeah. want this figure. It's the only Esmeralda figure I don't have. I have the other Esmeralda figure of her dancing with Jolly. I have a figure of her and Quasi on top of the cathedral talking about monster lines, which is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. <laughs> but I don't have this Inesco first. My my old roommate has one and I joke with him that I was going to steal it all the time. It was so pretty. <laughs> it was so pretty. And I could I can't find it online for a decent price. So, yeah. Hopefully at some point I will and my my me and my collection won't be complete, but it'll be close to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to send you photos of my collection for this episode so people can see my obsession, which is not even that bad of a collection if I'm being fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, so let's get into our plugs because it's towards the end. Yeah. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can follow me, Cassie, on Twitter and Instagram at SassyKCreates. And you can follow me, Lisa, on Instagram and TikTok at Bway underscore baby 425. And if you have any respectful thoughts, feelings, rebuttals to anything we said, which I don't know how you could because both these movies are amazing, Everyone should or, love them. You know, right? Or, you know, just in general, <laughs> if you have anything you want us to be as obsessed with as you are, you can go to my website, sassycassie.com, where this podcast and all other manners of the abyss have gathered. 
And if you'd like to support me further, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is also under Sassy Cassie. There's a Patreon, which is Sassy Cassie as well. And you can also leave me and Lisa a review to tell us how we're doing. We still have yet to get a review, which I don't really mind. Because like I said before, we don't have that many people that listen to us. And two, like there's like five and two of them are us and one of them is your roommate. So, <laughs> but I'm interested to see what people think. If you think there's something we could do better or anything like that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> thank you all again for being a part of the conversation and hearing us out. Thank you. <laughs> I really need to get a better outro. <laughs> I think yours is fine. I like no, it. I don't know. I listen to other podcasts and I'm oh. like, wow, that's such a nice outro. We'll 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 workshop it. <laughs> we'll workshop. Okay. Bye. <laughs>